Hi everyone, this is Georgiana and you're listening to Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. And today I'm speaking to one of my previous guests on this podcast, one of the first ones actually. Her name is Yulia Costa and she works for Marley Spoon. And the last time we spoke, Yulia was a talent acquisition manager and now she's an employer branding manager. Welcome Yulia, so good to talk to you again. Thank you Georgiana, happy to be back. <laughs> exactly. Um, what's important to know before we start our discussion is that today I'm actually exploring, I'm starting to explore sort of a new format for this podcast in which we settle on a certain topic, um, a topic that has to do with employer branding or company culture or human resources in general. And then we start to, we try to at least to debate it um among the two of us the the format is basically the same sort of at its at its core so to say so we're still going to have questions and answers but they are all going to revolve around the same topic and today i was um i was suggesting i suggested to julia that we concentrate on belonging because it's a topic that people talk about massively it's a topic that's very very recurring in all employer branding discussions it's quite a large topic and quite a narrow one if you decide to really um, focus on it and to uh, um, apply it to the company you work in. And so, yes, this is something new that we're trying. We're looking forward to your feedback and to hearing if it's useful for you guys. And uh, before I reached out to Yulia with this suggestion, I read Daniel Coyle's book, which is called The Culture Code. And this is how I got the, the idea for the belonging topic. This uh, actually his book sparked uh, my, my curiosity and my interest for it. And I will start my discussion by giving a definition by Gartner, which says that sense of belonging is actually an employee's perception of acceptance within a given group. Also, when, when doing my research about this context and about this concept, actually, um, I came across an, an article from Deloitte, which was mentioning comfort, connection and contribution at work as being in very, very close um, connection with belonging. And so um, having all this in mind, I'm going to, um, to launch the question, the first question to Yulia and to ask her what defines a successful culture? What does it mean to you personally? And uh, what does it mean for Marley Spoon? Right, and we're starting with a very, very big uh, question. And indeed, maybe I should uh, anchor myself a little bit into the whole idea of work and how work is perceived nowadays so mm -hmm. if we're looking probably 10 years ago everyone was talking about work-life balance work-life balance everywhere then it kind of transitioned into a work-life overlap but what's happening now is more of a work-life integration so people don't separate work from their lives anymore especially what happened over the last two years with the pandemic and everything we realized that work um work is is part of our lives not just from nine to five but way, way more after as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's more and more difficult for companies to accommodate the fact that people want to feel this, this um, happiness at work, that they belong, that they make impact. So it's not just about coming to work and doing your job, but 
having all of these additional things, uh, you know, as you also mentioned, comfort, contribution, but then way more than that, belonging, purpose, impact. Mm -hmm. So a successful mm -hmm. company culture nowadays is hard to describe in, in a short podcast. And it pretty much depends on the industry, on the expectations of, of the employees. Uh, but ultimately, it's a culture that offers belonging, right? Because that's what we're, we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And then that mm -hmm. can also stimulate purpose and impact. And by having purpose and impact, you can also feel the sense of achievement. Yeah. And uh, also a culture that can strike a balance between um, an individual work, an individual purpose, and in the company and the organization purpose, organizational purpose. So not to separate the impact that the company can create versus the, the impact that the employee can create. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how, how, how does this happen at, at Marley Spoon? In, in concrete, how do you guys in the employer branding department or in the HR department manage to create it with leadership? of course. Right. So we always said we had a, a great culture, warm and welcoming. So we are building the EVP at the moment. And the five values that we have at Marley Spoon, which we think are really making a, a, a difference. Uh, we are entrepreneurs, we enjoy what we do, we act with integrity, we're ambitious, and we are team players. Mm -hmm. I know this might sound too generic. Each of these values has further principles, but ultimately it's a mix of um, trust, autonomy that we give to people to come up with ideas, to challenge the status quo, but also, um, well, delighting each other on the way. So the customer, yes, is the most important. We have to delight our customers, mm -hmm. but we can't delight the customers without delighting each other on the way. So that's very important for us to foster and to be, build relationships so that we together as a team can um, conquer and can satisfy the, the customer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right. You were mentioning um, the importance of being a team player, right? And this brings me back to what uh, Daniel Coyle was discussing in his book, the concept of magical feedback, actually <clears throat> delivering <clears throat> sorry, magical feedback, which always ensure that the person who receives the feedback feels that they are part of the group on the one hand, that they understand the group is special and that there are high standards there. And um, also that they are aware they can reach those standards. So having all this in mind, how important is feedback in your team at Marley Spoon and for you personally? Yes, feedback is very important indeed for me and for Marty's one as well. And first of all, I would also like to mention the fact that feedback is uh, it, it's very important to know how to give feedback, but equally important to know how to receive feedback. So people have to mm -hmm. be um, mm -hmm. to be um, open to it, aware, and to also be willing to grow and to receive this feedback. And the next step also, I think this is more of a general rule that can be also brought into the work context. Feedback is, of course, positive and constructive, but we can't just be giving constructive feedback because, yes, that's very powerful. That helps but the most. But in order for the constructive feedback to work, it has to always um, be balanced with positive feedback. So 
um, that means uh, little appraisals and feedback and, and positive notes that we can exchange with colleagues on, on a regular basis. So five positive feedbacks should equal one constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that does not have to be given in a sandwich approach. I think that's not necessarily relevant all the yeah. time. So if you I want agree. to give mm-hmm. constructive feedback, you have to know about something positive and then end with something positive. No, because that would dilute the message of the constructive piece. But then if on a regular basis, constantly, we give positive feedback and we appraise people every time, you know, something good happens that impacted the team, we have to let them know. And then when the time comes that it's constructive feedback to be given, it's much easier to give and to receive and to digest. So it has to come very natural and people to be very open and transparent on a regular basis mm-hmm. and for, for, for the feedback itself to be productive and effective. That actually reminds me of um, of a process that was happening at Netflix um, at some point. I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but I found it really, really genius. So once a year, I think each um, company member would have to um, to give feedback in writing. I don't remember if to all of the colleagues or at least the people he was working closely with. And the feedback has had to be indeed very constructive, right? So... Um, there was a certain way of, of delivering it, but still keeping in mind everything that a person needed to um, to change within the team. So I think this is super important. It's very, very important for organizations to understand that once they approach feedback in a very structured or structural way, I think there's there's a lot to gain for leadership and for, of course, the entire organizational culture overall. Exactly. And you've also mentioned something at the very beginning about uh, standards. And indeed, I think by creating a framework uh, would, again, help with with giving and receiving uh, feedback. And especially when I'm looking at maybe mentors, coaches, team leads that have to give feedback on a regular basis. That's actually part of their daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's important for them to follow this four steps approach. They have to make sure that people understand the standards are high so we have high standards that's yep. why we want everyone to to um uh, do well and then to also assure the people the teams that hey you can do this you, you you've got this and then by also giving direction and support so with high standards assurance giving direction and support it's way easier to share feedback and to help your teams grow mm-hmm. grow through, through that feedback but you can't isolate the feedback. You can't take it out of, of a framework. Exactly, out of context. That's true. Yeah. Yulia, do you think there's a link between engagement and belonging? And if there is, which I'm sure there is, but I just wanna wanna hear your personal opinion it, on it. How do we create this connection between the two, and how do we maintain it? Yeah, that's that's definitely a link. Uh, I don't think you can probably separated too. And uh, I read a, a study recently, I don't remember where, but I just remember the numbers. So people, um, if they have the purpose and the belonging, they can reach up to 80% of their potential. Whereas if they only have the passion, that ends at probably 20%. So mm. passion without purpose, nice. it's not much. If you pair these two, it's a very powerful duo. So of course, having purpose and belonging that creates engagement. And that engagement and that motivation ultimately impacts the business and the growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, you cannot really be engaged if you're not 
if you don't feel that you belong, if you don't find your purpose. That's true. And, um, you know, when I was doing my, my research for this episode, I was I came across um, something very interesting in Shane Snow's book, Dream Teams. Shane Snow is one of the co-founders of Contently, uh, a company that I really admire, admire and follow on a, on a regular basis. And Shane was saying that positive social encounters release oxytocin, right? Things like hugs, acts of kindness, emotional stories. And basically, it's this oxytocin that helps build relationships between people who are different, even between people who are not inclined to accept each other, right? But I think I think in the context of the of the entire pandemic and in the context where so many companies are are embracing completely remote work, I think purpose is going to be the the key to maintaining a, a company culture, right? Because for sure. the encounters are going to be for sure positive on a constant basis, but they're not going to be as intense as when everyone was in the office, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. So I and think, yeah. Also, probably what what we're doing at Marisbon, and of course, these are things that we'll be able to look back a few years from now because the whole remote hybrid environment is, is, is new to everyone. Of course, we have these companies that have done remote for, for a long time, even before the pandemic, but um, that's just a few, uh, a handful of companies. Exactly. Now at, at Marvis, when we stepped into a hybrid approach, um, which means we allow people to decide whether they want to be in the office or work from home. They have the freedom and the flexibility to choose. Mm-hmm. And for for them to easier decide whether they need to be in the office, we created this 3C framework, create, connect, collaborate. In order to, yeah. if, if you want to create, if you want to connect with your team, if you want to collaborate, the office is the place to be. If you wanted to focus work, you might want to stay at home. So it's not like we have one or two days per week you have to be in the office. We leave it up to the teams to decide what works best for them. And uh, we also have a few people that are fully remote, working from, from different locations, different countries. And for that, we're aiming to have them coming to the office once a quarter for a few days. Um, I understand that the freedom to work from home is very important, but as you said, the the um, in-person encounters will still remain very important. You don't have to see those people every day, but to meet on a regular basis, once a month, well, once every three months, might be very beneficial because ultimately, yes, we're social animals. We can't really hide behind the screen forever. Mm -hmm. We have to meet in person and for the relationships to be built differently. But having the freedom to choose when, how, and how often you do it, I think it's very important nowadays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll be seeing much more of of the companies in, in Berlin and in Germany and well around the world uh, going towards that strategy. Yeah. Um, Julia, now we're, we're heading towards the, the end of our discussion and I was wondering if there's a place for data in this discussion about belonging. I know the people I've discussed with in employer branding and in HR, uh, most of them struggle a lot with measuring employer branding, measuring these new uh, concepts that are sort of hard to pin down.
Um, but how do we do it? Can we really pin belonging down? Can we really measure it in some way? Yes, there there are ways to measure it. Uh, as we know that for many uh, organizations, models included, data is very important. So everything we do, it has to be backed by data. But also, you know, data shows you the what people tell you the why. And I think in, in especially in such um, topics such as belonging, we have to rely a lot on, on um, quality data more than quantitative. So mm -hmm. there's also ultimately probably how we can best measure belonging is by uh, attrition rates, yes. tenure mm -hmm. and um, simple employee surveys ultimately. But um, to isolate belonging and to measure it might be hard, but we have to integrate it with other other uh, areas and to find a link. What can we um, link belonging to so we can measure it um, mm -hmm. better? Mm -hmm. And there, there are tools, uh, but perhaps tools to measure belonging in itself are hard to find, but I'm sure something will pop in the very near future. But ultimately, if we're able to measure attrition, satisfaction at work, employee uh, NPS, Mm -hmm. That already tells us a lot about whether people feel that they belong or not. Absolutely. Wow, this was super interesting, Yulia. I really, really enjoyed our discussion. Thank you for being with me today and for talking to me. And uh, look forward to uh, talking again soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you too, Georgiana. And see you soon. Bye. Bye. This was Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and content on employer branding related themes on employerbranding.tech. Until the next time, stay tuned. Bye.